I'm Sam Mitchell. These are my stories. Hi, folks. How are you? Good day today. Let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks for Adults. Now, before we begin, I must note that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If you're a Sardani, you diagnose autism, please see a physician. I only speak on based on my experiences. I also do not own the rights to these music. Both music was found on YouTube and it was published on November 2011 and April 2016. Now, I have a, some shouts I need to give. So, my first shout out is to Miss Molly Dang. She is the host of the podcast, The Art You Are. Check out this podcast to see how she is empowering individuals to tell their life stories. My second shout out is to Paul Miller. He is the owner of the Freetown Free Spill podcast. He also is a musician and interviews all kinds of people on his show. I was recently on his show too, and it was actually a fun time. So thank you, Paul, and I hope you're doing well. Lastly, I want to give a shout out to Dr. Temple Grin for being on my show. She was on the show, and you should check this episode. I was really good, and it was an honor to have her on my show. So thank you, Dr. Grandin. Now today, we also have another big guest on my show. We want to welcome Mr. James Duran. Mr. Duran finished fourth place on... The 10th season of American Idol, Duran was also the lead singer of Quiet Riot from 2017 to 2019. Duran was diagnosed with Asperger's and Tourette's as a child, and he has definitely beat the odds. He has appeared on the late night show with Jimmy Fallon and Ellen, and now he is here on the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. He loves pro wrestling like me, so that's awesome, and is a rocker, and he plays very awesome music. So let's welcome James Durman. Mr. Durman, how are you, man? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm all right. So my first question to you is, what does having autism mean to you? Uh, I think it, it, it really sets me apart. I'm very proud to have autism. I am very, maybe not proud, but uh, happy. I am happy that uh, I am who I am. And just because I have what I have doesn't make me uh, any less than anyone else. Yeah, we are definitely unique, man. Now, can you elaborate, though? Like, what made you so happy about having it, I guess? I think I'm more happy to have it now than I was growing up. I mean, when I found out that I had it, I thought that I was an alien. I thought I was an alien already. And then when I found out that I had it, I thought that I was definitely had to be from some other planet. And that would also explain my obsession with uh, E.T. <laughs> E.T., go home. Phone, home, phone, phone. Now, how do you think our brains operate exactly? Like, do you have any analogy you can give, or? Uh, no, I have no idea. I think that my brain kind of operates like an old box of Legos, like an old set of Legos, where it's like, or even an old box, where it's just all these random Lego pieces in one big old box, and <laughs> you've got to sift through it and find the right pieces you're looking for, and sometimes it takes a long time. I try and operate, uh, knowing my brain, I try and operate like a new box of Legos that comes in individually wrapped sets and each step is uh in its own bag so to speak so that's why that's how i guess how i try to i try to operate these days yeah i operate maybe you guys like sit through the piece like you said but i operate maybe like um i always think of myself as a pinball like if you want to mm -hmm. see that episode see 111 pinball action that's a good episode but that's how i always think we operate is like a big old giant pinball machine yeah that makes sense i like that thank you i've got i've got a lot of flashing lights and um <laughs> buzzers <laughs> and flaps what are they oh, called I, flippers flippers yeah, I flipper. love flippers flaps same thing right <laughs> yeah flippers flappers what is the most rewarding and most difficult thing about having autism i think the most rewarding and the most difficult thing i mean they, they kind of go 
hand in hand for me. I'd say there's a lot of difficulties. There's a lot of obstacles with it. And just kind of being understanding, I guess, that's the most difficult thing is, is for people to be understanding of those with autism because we don't operate the exact same way. Um, we, we have a different thought process. Sometimes there's no thought process. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, I think it's just having understanding of that and having compassion for that. But I think the most rewarding thing about it is I don't let it stop me. And I think that, that the reward is the ability to inspire people. Yeah, that is a really big ability to inspire mm -hmm. and motivate those who need some motivation in their lives. Exactly. I think the most rewarding thing is uh, having gotten to give back and having gotten to show others that anything is possible regardless of, you know, what obstacle is put in your way. What advice would you give to someone who just learned they had autism? Uh, take a deep breath. Don't worry. You're still the same you. This doesn't define you. This does not make you or break you. This doesn't make you something else entirely all of a sudden because you were already you before you were diagnosed and you're just the same you with uh, new circumstances. I would agree with that, actually. Just some new circumstances and a new part of you, I guess, in a way. Yeah, you're, you're more like, it's like if you had a tail, but you didn't know it was a tail and someone says, hey, you have a tail. And you're like, oh, that's what that is. It was already there. Now I'm, now I'm just aware of it. I'm just aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. So now, what was your childhood like? Childhood was great. Childhood was awesome. I got picked on a lot at school for kind of being different and making, uh, you know, my Tourette's and making the noises and ticks and things and being just socially awkward. But I mean, I, I was very. I think my my Aspergers contributed to um, my uh, many different obsessions of different things. Obsessions with different movies and and franchises you know i'd get into toy story but i would know the entire script uh front to back you know beginning to end i'd have every line memorized i'd know all the characters names and backstories forward and backward you know yeah that's impressive man I'm telling you that right now that is very impressive and also when you went to school or just in your family or your family what resources did your family give you or your mother Oh, my mom was great. My mom was very supportive, still is actually, still extremely supportive and understanding. And, you know, it was a, she raised me and my two sisters, single mom, on top of making a living and, you know, making enough money to uh, support us in our endeavors and then learning how to parent a child with autism and Tourette's. Uh, I remember she was always very kind of, I don't know, maybe proud of the job that she was able to do with the circumstances that she had, because um, I remember there was uh, two different episodes of, I think, Dr. Phil or something back 20 years ago. And uh, one episode was um, my child has autism. The other episode was my child has Tourette's. And there wasn't like one for, oh, well, where's the episode for my child has both, you know, and, and it was she definitely had her hands full and she did amazing. You know, I, I only hope that if I was set and given those same circumstances with my kids, um, that I could do half as good a job that she did. That is, I think we all, we, I think with autism needs a good family. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm not saying that, in a, I'm saying I go, like, we need a good family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I got a good family. So that's, I'm happy to, I could want any other family, not saying your family's bad or anything. It's just, <laughs> yeah. I want, I want my family. <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way. So now. 
when were you exactly diagnosed with Asperger's and Tourette's? I was diagnosed with Asperger's and Tourette's when I was nine. Actually, uh, no, I was 10. I was 10. Yeah. Now, can you actually do me a favor and describe to me what is Tourette's syndrome, actually? Well, Tourette's is a um, neurological, they call it a disorder. I call it a condition because it doesn't uh, do anything that super negative to me. It's I am who I am. But it's uh, it's verbal tics, motor tics, um, you know, just having to feel the need and the urge to do things, certain things either with your voice or certain things with your body. You know, a lot of people may have heard of Tourette's in uh, the media um, as people swearing out loud uh, whenever they want uncontrollably. That's only about 4% of cases of Tourette's, and that certain one is uh, called coprolalia. Mine's pretty, I mean, it, I, I, I still live with it every day. I still have a lot of a lot of ticks. Um, ask my wife. <laughs> she, she she lives with it. I don't live with it. I'm, I'm hardly aware of it, but that's pretty much what it is in a nutshell. All right, I understand. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Now, with Asperger's and Tourette's, are there any like similarities you think, and any differences, maybe in the way you guys think or the way you guys act, or any similarities or differences? I think there's definitely some similarities. Um, it's kind of uncontrollable. You know, you don't really, you're not really in control with Tourette's, and you're definitely not in control with with uh, with Asperger's. Um, they're both neurological. I also think that they're both can be kind of relaxed and calmed down with certain, you know, holistic uh, practices. CBD has helped great. Um, THC has helped great. Uh, there's a certain root called GABA. GABA has helped great. You can get that at any uh, any store, any health food store. Um, and yeah, there's just different things that there's, there's others that I can't think of right now, but there's definitely more. more That's all right. I get it. I'm I don't know, I'm not a little out of it today, so I feel you. <laughs> Definitely, I'm with you there. You also, I know you probably went to school. I think so. What school did you go to exactly? I went to I was in the what would I call it the Live Oak School District. I went to Live Oak Elementary School, Shoreline Middle School, SoCal High School. High school was tough. My only outlet in high school was the theater department, and there was a, a drama teacher there that my sisters had, my older sisters, and I was involved in their plays because they needed a uh, you know, young kid to uh, play a Cantonese French boy, which <laughs> I am neither Cantonese nor French, but I played the part. I dyed my hair, tanned my whole body, and uh, wore a sarong and some uh, sandals some Jesus joggers and uh, they put me up there on stage and, and had me sing in French and that was in South Pacific. That was fun. What's a, what's a sarong? A sarong, it's kind of like a, what's a sarong? Uh, it's kind of like you can use like a tapestry like this and you just like put it around your waist. Oh, like so, it's a, a, so it's a robe? Not a robe. Have you seen Moana? No, I have not. Okay, uh, I'm trying to think. It's kind of like a Polynesian, kind of like a, not a skirt, but kind of like a skirt. Oh, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. I know what you're talking about now. Okay. I yeah. just never knew what they were called. I'm so new. Word of the day. So now I did read about you, your theater, and you played the roles of Grease and Beauty and the Beast. Did you enjoy those roles? I definitely did. Yeah. I did a lot of, a lot of theater. I did, uh, I was Mottle the Tailor and Fiddler on the Roof. I was Freddie Einsford Hill in My Fair Lady. I was Doyle in The Mask. I was, uh, uh, Danny in Greece, Beast in Beauty and the Beast, Tony in West Side Story. There's another one, but it escapes me. 
Oscar in Sweet Charity and Don Lockwood in uh, Singing in the Rain. I'm singing in the rain. No, yeah. <laughs> so did theater actually help you in any way? Theater helped me more than anything. Um, I, as long as I can remember, when I'm performing, my tics, my autism, it just kind of takes a backseat. Takes a, takes a burst out of you. Yeah. There's no traces when I sing. There's no, it's like I don't have those things when I get up there and, and I'm able to sing. And especially with theaters, because I am portraying somebody else. And that person does not have Tourette's or autism. You know, in, in Danny in Greece doesn't have Tourette's or autism. The Beast, uh, he has, you know, ADHD but, and uh, definitely needs to see a therapist. But, you know, the Beast doesn't have uh, doesn't have those things or those conditions. None of the characters I ever played had those conditions. And so I felt free. I felt uh, I could make eye contact with people. I could interact with people in ways that I couldn't offstage. And I had a, uh, one of my directors, her name is Robin Aronson. She sat me down one day. She actually talked to my mom and got books on uh, Tourette's and Asperger's and learned what she could about it, about how to help me. And her approach was to basically show me like, you play these characters on stage. What would the character of James Durbin be that you would write if you were creating a character for yourself that isn't inhibited by, you know, your disorders? Who would that character be? And I went through different changes in, in that character. Like early on, it was a very like uh, Randy Orton, like old school Randy Orton, very cocky, very brash, very just kind of like didn't care. Like, oh, you're going to make fun of me? What do I care? Oh, you're wasting your time thinking about things to be mean to me and do mean things to me. But I am always on your mind. That's like was my approach for my bullies. And so if I had never done theater and had never had that outlet and that way to create a new me, so to say, then uh, I don't know where I'd be. I actually am like that. That's I didn't even think of it, though, in a way like you said, they're on, you're on your mind. You kind of turn that negative to a positive. You I never even thought of that. But I also don't care if people think of me at the same time. So I feel you. So you also formed a band called Hollywood Scars. How did that band form exactly? Uh, how did Hollywood Scars form? Maybe through Craigslist? There was a guy that was a guy named Pete that was looking to put together a band. And a couple guys in town that I knew uh, had also responded to that. And I just kind of got wrapped up in it. And uh, Pete ended up not working out. <laughs> so Pete got 86 from uh, the band that he put together. We had fun. Pete's vision wasn't really uh, in line with what everybody else was there to do. And he was kind of a flake. And all of us lived uh, here in Santa Cruz. And he lived uh, in the city, you know, like an hour or so away. So it just kind of didn't work out. Yeah, I got you. Just life happens. So you also, as we all know, went to your where we got to know you, you went on American Idol, obviously. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to go on American Idol exactly? Uh, I had auditioned for American Idol in 2008, and I didn't make it past the very first round. Before you ever see the judges, there's like four or five different rounds that you have to pass, or at least there was then when they had a lot more people auditioning. But I kind of put that behind me and didn't 
really care or think about American Idol until uh, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith became a judge. And I thought, you know what? If there's ever a time, now's the time. And I was singing in Hollywood Scars um, around that time. And we had just kind of uh, called it quits with the band. And Idol auditions were coming up. I was working as a pizza delivery driver with Domino's here in Santa Cruz. And um, I had put in a request for a day off to audition. And they thought I was joking. And they said, we're, we're not going to give you a day off of work to go audition for American Idol. What are you, dumb? And so I just kind of put it to the side. I kept preparing. Uh, I kept working on audition songs and all that stuff, um, thinking, okay, well, when it gets to the date, maybe I'll call in sick. Maybe I'll, you know, <laughs> maybe something. I just won't show up. And, I got the uh, flu. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And then I said... Uh, I went into work like the day before and the owners of that certain Domino's franchise called everybody into the back kitchen. I saw there were people that weren't even working there that day. They were there in the back kitchen and they told all of us like, we've been running our company on no money. We're fleeing the state. <laughs> we're closing our business and we're moving to you know Nevada. And uh, all of you guys are out of a job starting tomorrow. And tomorrow was the idol audition. So what a coincidence. Life has, yeah, life has a way of working itself out yeah. and it's it's crazy. Hey, it knew you it knew you well enough to you're gonna it knew you well enough that you were gonna win American Idol. Right. Now speaking of the American Idol, and obviously there are other contestants, duh. <laughs> but did you become friends with any of the other contestants from American Idol? Oh, all of them. All of them my season, all of them season ten. Uh Casey Abrams is a really good friend. And um Stefano, Jacob Lusk, and Paul McDonald. All the guys, definitely, especially all the guys. We became very close. And uh, and Scotty McCreary, who was the season 10 winner. And um, and also through that, through Idol, I met so many other people. Uh, I met Chris Jericho, who's a good friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch, a bunch. It's been, Yeah, it's been wild, and it's been fun keeping up with people, and, and uh, everybody's doing great things. Like, everybody from our season is has been working in music and has made you know a career for themselves and it's really really inspiring and really uh special that uh i was able to be on that season with everybody it was awesome that does sound awesome i want to meet chris jericho now <laughs> i know right now you appeared on late shows obviously after the uh after you got eliminated of course but well, what shows did you appear on exactly um i was on uh the tonight show with jay leno before he retired i was on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon before Jimmy took over The Tonight Show. I've been on Ellen. I've been on Conan two times. Uh, I was on uh, Regis and Kelly with Regis Philbin before he passed. Um, passed just recently. Um, I was on uh, The Doctors. I was on Dr. Drew. I've been on CNN a couple times. Um, obviously American Idol. I can't. Th I'm trying to think if it was anything else. Uh, that might be it. Hey, you're a lot of man. Yeah, a bunch of, like others, bunch of small town stuff, a bunch of news programs and things, and news stations and other MTV and VH1 things all over the place. Now, what show out of all did you enjoy the most? Oh, I think. Well, when I was on Ellen. I talked with her for like 20 minutes and her producer kept coming over to her and being like, come on, we got to go. We got other things to do. And she told her producer, no, just hold on. I'm talking to James. 
And her producer came to me afterwards and said, she doesn't do that with anybody. So she really, really wanted to talk with you. And that was really nice. And also Conan, because I, I love Conan. Absolutely love Conan. And uh, he was hanging out and we were talking for a little bit. And he's huge. He's giant man. Giant, giant, womanly looking, birdly man. But he's Bigger than Andre the Giant? I love him. Uh, yeah. Andre the Giant. Or anybody want a peanut? So now I'm just, I'm going to add, this is a surprise. I'm just talking to you. You're really like, just seem like a quiet person, but does rock and roll like let that other side of you out? Yeah. I mean, once I get on stage and once I'm able to do all that, definitely. I mean, before I called in, I was writing a new song and uh, for the most part, I mean, before a show and after a show and most of the time I'm, I'm a homebody. I, I have no problem just being inside and being alone. Um, but I got a wife and two kids, so, um, yeah, but, but you know, the most part, I'm I'm just at home and playing guitar, making music. I don't talk much, um, but it's 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 funny that you know when once I start talking, you can't shut me up. But uh, yeah, well, it's it's interesting that that's the the dynamic with me, my personality versus who I am when I go on stage. I kind of put on a character when I have to be on and uh, take it off when I can. Yeah, I I just I just noticed that talking to you. What's your favorite song from you? It'd probably be one of my new songs that I've got uh, coming up on my my album that'll be coming out um, early next year. Uh, depending on when this uh, when do you know when this is gonna air this podcast? Uh, every sixteen twenty one days, so count so twenty seventh. Okay. Ooh, then uh, if this is airing on the twenty seventh, then tomorrow uh, will be announced that I have signed a record deal with Frontiers Frontiers Records SRL, and um, we'll be putting out some music very very soon. I've got my first single from this album coming out in November, November maybe November nineteenth possibly I believe. Not sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's coming out uh, November. And I've got some friends on it that I'm very excited to uh, have people listen to, and uh, I can finally let my let my flag fly with this one because this is uh, as heavy metal of an album as I've ever made, and the great step in the right direction for the music that I want to continue making. Oh man! Now you said, man, I'm checking it out. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. What also led you to become a rock and roll music artist? Uh, it's just my influences, just what I what I like the most. I mean, not everybody's into metal, not everyone's into rock, and uh, it was a lane that I thought that I could take up well. Um, all the music that I listened to and and sung along to, and I've always been into music ever since I was little. And back then, it was In yeah, Sync and Backstreet Boys and Spice Girls and Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, all those things. I have two older sisters, so. They weren't they weren't much help with the with the influencing the music. But now when I listen back to that stuff, it's incredible if you listen back to it. I mean, the songs are timeless. They're timeless hooks. They're written so well. You know, they're written for them. And the musicians that played on those albums. Oh my god. Now we're talking. Like just the best studio musicians, the tightest music and all that. But when I found rock and I found metal, you know, Led Zeppelin and um even the Beatles and just uh knowing what you can do with music and uh, you know as soon as i found led zeppelin and queen and journey 
and then moved into the metal with Motorhead and Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Kiss and uh, uh, Sammy Hagar and Ronnie James Dio and Black Sabbath and Blind Guardian and <laughs> all these like crazy amazing bands and singers you know Rob Halford from Judas Priest just the way he's able to sing and there's like opera in there and there's pop and there's you know there's um the metal that i listen to and the rock that i listen to has a hook it has a chorus it has differentiating parts to the song you know there's the intro there's the verse there's the pre-chorus a chorus another verse another chorus a bridge a solo a chorus you know it's it's very you can you can figure it out and uh, it's you can sing along to it it seems like a big process. It seems like it, but it's not really. I mean, uh, once you think of something that can, you know, be be sung and sung along to, it's it's pretty easy. Like if I bring my guitar out and you just go, you know, we'll just play a G. You know, stuff like that. And, and you just write to it and perfect it and, you know, figure it out. And it develops and it changes and you just change with it. It's it's pretty fun. It's not all that hard, you know. I mean, it's uh, You can play the blues. The blues is nothing but three chords and the truth. That's where you yeah. got to start. Yeah, man. And thank you for that mini concert, by the way. <laughs> totally. Now, we also know you were the lead singer of Quiet Riot for a couple of years. So what did you enjoy most about Quiet Riot? Uh, being on stage singing come on feel the noise and metal health bang your head night after night and getting people up on their feet and getting people excited and you know i i looked at a band that um that i loved growing up i loved that band growing up and when i looked at what they were doing now <laughs> uh before i joined and even now after i've left they're back to the same old thing uh it just i thought that i could bring a lot of life to that band that was missing that used to be there um, when they're or when they had their original singer Kevin DeBro, but he sadly passed away in 2007. And I looked at all the other people that had sung for them, and vocally it was great, but energy-wise and filling the you know presence that Kevin left, no one ever even tried. And so that was something I knew that I could do my best at. And I'm a performer. You know, and, and I love running around the stage and jumping in the air and doing knee slides and toe touches and back bends and screaming my freaking head off. <laughs> and I knew that was something that I could do. And I told myself I'd do it as long as I was still having fun. But at a certain point, um, as with all bands, especially bands that have been around longer, uh, you know, these guys have been playing those songs for years. And so, you know, the, the, the thrill is gone in some ways. But um, at a certain point, the politics of it, just got too much and uh you know at the end of the day it's a uh, business is business you know so it just wasn't working out business wise yeah i heard you but hey at least you got the experience of it it definitely exactly i got the experience and you know i still use my still use my striped mic stand uh that i made for playing with them i was bringing this one around tour it's painted but it started to chip and, and wear too much so i started bringing my own uh my own roll of tape and would just stripe up my mics at every venue. That was a lot of fun. It was funny because the people that work at the venue would be like, Oh, Durbin, you forgot your mic stand. You left your mic stand. I'd be like, no, that's your mic stand. 
If, if, if it happened every time that they tried to give me one of their mic stands, you know, if I had, if I was that kind of person and, and kept them, I, I, uh, I'd have many striped mic stands with me. But the hard thing is you can't really take them on planes. That's tough. Yeah. And they fold up enough. And I also, believe it or not, have the, uh, I downloaded one of my songs on my playlist is Come On, Feel The Noise by Quiet Riot. So now that I hear you sing, I always think of you now. Now, you have a family, and that's awesome. I applaud you for raising a family. I don't know if I want a family yet, so I'm still considering the decision. Were there any, like, autistic obstacles I had to overcome to, ha- to having a family? Like, when a baby cries, I know that can overcome some sensory problems. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. Not really for me. You know, the baby's going to cry, and, and I don't know. I guess I don't think so. Not for me. Not I mean, for- it, once the baby's there, it's your baby. There's nothing that baby's going to do that's not going to make you love that baby. And you live with the bad and you, you know, it's, you live with it. It so is life. You live with it. You learn from it. You, because when, you know, my kids are older and they're almost, uh, my daughter's almost six and my son's 11 and a half. And, you know, uh, when you see the pictures of them as babies or you see somebody with a baby at a store, you know, sometimes it's the baby's crying and you're just like, oh, I remember when you were a baby and you used to cry like that. So in some ways, you miss it in some ways you're happy with the way they are but yeah i don't think my my uh conditions have really been obstacles for for parenting when you know did you always know that you wanted to be a father or did something change your mind or did you just know you want to be a father i knew that eventually i wanted to i've I've always loved kids and could always look forward to you know being a dad myself it just happened um a little sooner than than i thought it was gonna happen uh my my fiance and i now my wife we've been together for over 12 years and going on 13 and um we were expecting our first a lot quicker than we thought i was 19 she was 28 but uh yeah now i'm 31 and 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 almost 32 and and it's just such as life. You roll with it and you roll with it like the waves in the ocean. You just keep rolling with it and uh, enjoy it. That reminds me, I speak. Have you heard of Rolling by Limp Biscuit? That's yeah. a good, that's one of my favorite songs. It's that's a nice, that reminds me of that. Yeah, keep rolling. Keep rolling, rolling, man. Just out of curiosity, how did you meet your wife exactly? And uh, I met her, uh, I was singing karaoke at this bar um, when I was 19, but I had been hanging out at that bar since I was 15. And they had like the certain timing where they were still serving food and minors could be in there. And then uh, at a certain point, they just enjoyed my singing and were like, Durbin? Yeah, he can stay. Well, if anybody asks, we'll tell him he's 21. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I just hang out there all the time and sing. And I got so many hours of practice there. Um, you know, they say that you're not a uh, professional at what you do until you've logged in 10,000 hours at it. And I think I got... Um, uh, a majority of those hours there. Now let's talk some pro wrestling, man. How about we do that? Yes, bring it on. All right. So, what do you like about professional wrestling exactly, and why do you like it so much? Well, when I was a kid, and uh, I had come home from school and had a terrible day, and was got picked on and bullied, and you know, was looking for an escape. And around that time, I had found music. I'd been given a hand-me-down guitar and I got home and I played my guitar and practiced and you know put my emotions into the practicing and the and the and the form and and learning the music and one day I had a bad day and I didn't feel like playing guitar so I turned on the TV and I started flipping through channels and I found Monday Night Raw and I saw a match between Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy and at that moment I thought to myself oh my gosh what is this 
you know, or these are like live superheroes. These are like, I, I was always aware of wrestling and I knew people that liked it, but it wasn't until I really saw it for myself and fell in love with it. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long before I had a subscription to WWE magazine and had the pictures of all the wrestlers, my favorite, I'd cut up the magazines and make collages and, uh, go to the flea market find all the wrestling old wrestling tapes i could find i started collecting the vhs tapes and the action figures and any merch and t-shirts and studying old wrestling and and i just fell in love with it yeah i just fell in love with it the performance of it the show of it you know it's like a concert and uh it's an action concert yeah exactly it's an action concert yeah it's a dance it's a ballet it's an opera it's it's a it's a sitcom it's, it's theater a, yes yeah it's theater exactly so i love it by chance do you think that wwe or wwe i don't know when you watch it but wwe is similar to the way that we think sometimes or i guess so it, it's uh it's neurotic <laughs> it's uh all over the place at times there's a bunch of different characters doing a bunch of different things and eventually they all kind of collide uh, at the show of shows. And um, yeah, there's, there's, I can definitely see it. Um, for me, especially like creating my own persona to live in and my own, um, my own character for me to feel most comfortable with myself and learn and like to learn to get to know myself and be um, happy with who I am. I, I am too. I'm still on that journey. I don't know if you, you are, but I still am. I'm, I'm always a work in progress, but I'm, I'm, content if this is where i have to be <laughs> then uh, i'm content with it but i'm i'm always trying to better myself and uh change that's how i feel i'm with you man now who's your favorite wrestler and what what's your favorite wrestling match that you've seen i'll tell you mine actually if you don't mind uh my yeah, favorite my favorite um wrestler is mick foley nice mainly mankind and my match is involving him it's a uh, mankind versus the undertaker in your I'm house himself. buried alive Oh, nice. Indianapolis, Indiana. That's my dad's nice. favorite, what you just said. But my favorite is Undertaker Mankind in your house. Because for me, it was something new and something I don't think we've seen at that time. It was just a hardcore all over the place, like a basic hardcore match. Because mm -hmm. I'm not a big, like, ah guy and, like, big pop. I'm just like a basic but cool match at the same yeah. time. For sure. Well, I've always loved uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 90,000 people. Pontiac, Michigan. Yeah. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah. Cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah. So, obviously, Macho. Uh, I love Macho. Um, also love Chris Jericho, man. I, I can't lie. You know, even though he's a good friend, I still... Like when he came in, because he was on Dancing with the Stars at the same time that I was on Idol, and they film in the same room, like the the not the same room, the same building that has multiple rooms in it, big studios. So it's like on the other side of this partition and this tapestry is like where Dancing with the Stars filmed, and right here where I am is where American Idol filmed. So one day you're not really supposed to cross paths and cross sides, but one day because I had just had uh, Hulk Hogan on and tell me that I was going through and. Um, Jericho heard about it and decided to walk over and be like, what's up, man? You're a wrestling fan, huh? I was like, oh, it's Chris Jericho. Oh, my gosh. And Chris is always one of my favorites. Um, favorites are always Chris Jericho, Rob Van Dam, Undertaker, Macho Man, CM Punk. And favorite match. What's my favorite match? I love Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 19. 
That's a classic in Seattle. Um, ooh, what else? Um, huh. Well, I, and you talked, we talked a little before you said you liked an AEW. What about an AEW? Ooh, uh, I've been enjoying, who have I been liking an AEW? Uh, I like Darby Allen. Darby Allen puts on some really interesting matches and he's psychotic. But I think in AEW, I've, I've really enjoyed most like the storylines. More and more, I'm, I'm more about the, you know, the feeling and the story that they're telling. And, um, yeah, sometimes the, the wrestling, I mean, now that they're not in front of audiences, you know, and audiences aren't allowed in, it's very, very different. And a, a majority of AEW's last year has been, you know, under these conditions, under these circumstances. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to when, <laughs> when they can let people back in and, uh, cause that's kind of the whole point of performing. You know, it's it's they're really performing and really doing more and connecting with the crowd and knowing what works and knowing what doesn't work um, when the audience is there. That's who they're performing for and the reason they're, you know, doing it. That's so odd because to be honest with you, I don't notice it. To me, it's just really? same. Yeah. Like, oh. I, I mean, it's a little different, granted. I'm not going to lie with that, but I don't notice it. To me, it's just like, oh, there's no fans. Cool. And I don't know if AEW has, but they have the Thunderdome, so I don't know if AEW can do it virtually or not. AEW has allowed some people in the stands uh, where they where they film. Okay, uh, a place called Daly's Place in Jacksonville. Gotcha. And yeah, they've they've done some fun things. Stadium Stampede was fun, um, and AEW. But uh, you know they're they're still growing and they're still working out the kinks and in their company. But yeah, uh, wrestling is wrestling's good. Oh, it is, man. I can't lie with you on that. So now these just were some fun questions. So so my first one is, what is your paradise meal, your favorite food, and why is it your favorite? Mm, I could eat uh, tortilla chips and guacamole. I could eat that anytime, uh, endlessly. Um, sushi. Love sushi. And and I don't like sushi with, like, I don't like to do the, the wasabi and the soy sauce. I like the sushi to come out, you know, a nice roll, and you just... It might have some like unagi sauce or something, but sushi. I like sushi. I like the fish and the rice and the sauces and the the eel. I like that eel. And um, yeah, I like the texture of it. It's a nice yeah. texture. You like, like the aftertaste? I like the aftertaste. Yeah, I like the aftertaste. Um, hmm, what else? Uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, that's my man. I, I love that's my favorite cereal. I could destroy a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, and the marshmallows in Lucky Charms, just the marshmallows, not the cereal. And I can't eat. I don't. I don't think. Um, in my life, I have eaten cereal with milk. I only eat it dry. Whoa! I I'm with I'm with you. I don't eat cereal with milk. I'll eat with chocolate milk, but cereal with milk. I don't know why. It's just not my cup of tea. I guess. I only eat it out of the box. Chug it out of the box. Yeah. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, the bag. Just. Uh... So, what is your favorite? movie or tv show and why do you like it uh i love the harry potter series i love the lord of the rings trilogy wayne's world um and favorite show i don't watch a lot of shows um is american idol (laughs) not my favorite (laughs) let's see what shows do i watch i watch wrestling i guess (laughs) that counts (laughs) yeah that's the only shows i ever watch aew dynamite uh friday night smackdown NXT, that sort of thing. Yeah. Are you more of a SmackDown guy or a Raw guy? Well, they just went all topsy turvy on us, but probably SmackDown. That's my man. I, I am too. I'm a SmackDown dude. A hundred bucks. I want a shirt that says SmackDown Live. So now, what's your what has been your favorite vacation that you've ever taken, and why do you, did you enjoy that vacation very much? 
Uh, recently, January, I guess it would be. Um, I I was doing a show. Uh, what's it called? I can't even remember what it's called right now. It's been so long since I was there. It was uh, uh, Punta Cana. Punta Cana. Where is Punta Cana? Um, Punta Cana is in... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember where it is. Um, and we got the other part, oh, right? It's, it's, it's in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I was doing a show there at the Hard Rock um, Resort and Casino and with a bunch of other people, a bunch of other people from Idol and, and different singing shows. And those shows are a ton of fun. And I went and did one and then came back home, played a couple concerts that I had scheduled. And then my wife and I went out there and it was our first vacation without kids in like eight years. That was nice, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, just the two of us, you know, and um, it was awesome just hanging out on the beach. They had, uh, since it's a resort, it's all inclusive. So you could walk up to any bar in the resort and just get a drink <laughs> or food or anything. And that was a ton of fun. It was just nice to relax on the beach, have a drink with my wife and uh, swim in the ocean and just sunbathe. And we walked like super far down the beach past the resort and found some uh, some young coconut trees, and uh, I was able to um, break one off and crack it open, and we had some fresh coconut water uh, out of a coconut <laughs> on the beach, and uh, it was just great. Took a while back, and it was nice. I bet that was. Did you use the coke? Did you break it with your hands, or did you use something? Uh, I used like a rock and a and a limb of a tree that I found. Uh, works they're very they're very very tough uh i found a young coconut so it was it it was softer yeah you played coconut ball instead of baseball yeah (laughs) we busted it open you broke you broke your own you broke the coconut ball broke the coconut like uh who broke the coconut who did it was it rowdy roddy piper broke the coconut over uh, yeah that's what you did jimmy snooka's head yeah so what are your what are some of your personal interests and why do you enjoy those uh, I've been really getting a lot into voiceover lately and uh, have been doing work with Disney and Disney Interactive and Amazon uh, for voiceover stuff. And that's something I've always been very passionate about and have always studied voices and how people speak and, and uh, characters and developing characters and, and, and that sort of thing. I love art. I've sold some of my artwork, so that's been super fun. Yeah, those those two things. Um, yeah, That's cool, man. One of my friends is a big fan of art, so I'll have to recommend her to you. So what are some of your proudest accomplishments you've ever made in your life? Uh, my kids, my marriage, my career, just the fact that uh, I haven't quit. I've had every opportunity to quit. I've been very close to quitting many times, um, but I keep going and keep hustling and keep trying and uh, you're going to fail. You're going to try things. You're going to fail all the time. And I've had way more failures than I have successes, but the successes keep me, keep me going, keep me positive. But you know what? I think failure is an opportunity. Exactly. Amen to that. I've failed many, many times. I've been trying to do one thing and the opportunity has come up many times and I was either too blind to see it or wasn't ready for it and failed you know, failed for the opportunity. And, uh, but if you keep working for it and you keep thinking about it and manifest it, you know, it's going to come back and it's going to come back when you're ready. And, um, you know, all those failures are opportunities for me to learn from them and to not make those same mistakes twice. 
Yep, that is that is definitely right. So this is my final question. Are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember the me- that memory the most? Now, before you answer here, I want a good memory and a funny memory. Mm, let's see. Or a funny story. Or work too. So uh, a good memory, American Idol, was uh, songs from Movies Week. And I was singing a song called Heavy Metal from an animated film in 1984 called Heavy Metal uh, based on the um, magazine called Heavy Metal Magazine. And it was an art and culture magazine and, and it had like, you know, fantasy drawings and it's it's pretty risque though. But uh, I love the song and some songs by Sammy Hagar. And uh, I was getting ready to sing that song and... Uh, I had just become friends with Chris Jericho, and one of his best friends is Zach Wild, famous guitar player. And so I got a hold of Zach Wild, and Zach was going to come on American Idol and play guitar uh, with me while I sang this Sammy Hagar song. Well, as I'm preparing for all that, I get a uh, pulled into a meeting with some of the uh, people that work on American Idol and said, Hey, we've been contacted by the Make-A-Wish Foundation, a little boy named Cole uh, from Michigan. His wish is to meet you, James Durbin, and hang out with you, James Durbin. And I broke down in tears, and I could not believe that. I could not fathom that somebody wanted to hang out with me as their their only wish, you know. If they could if they were going to die tomorrow, their last wish was to hang out with me, and that really really affected me and it still does. Um it's very humbling. I was so happy to meet this kid and he had a double kidney transplant stunted his growth he's still he's still kicking he's still around um which is awesome he's uh he just faces whatever obstacle comes to him and he's had a lot of obstacles still continues to have obstacles and has persevered through all of them and i cannot imagine going through that kind of a struggle myself or watching my child go through that struggle and I've loved catching up with him. I've loved every chance that I get to, to see him at concerts uh, when I'm able to be in the area. And uh, I just love the the young man that he's turning out to be. And I feel really blessed and really honored that uh, still to this day that I was his wish because that's a really, really big deal and uh, means the world to me. That is a big wish. The fact he's still living today, that's even more impressive and yeah. awesome. Now, what's the funny story? Uh, the funny story. Give me a funny story. Uh, funny, 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 funny. What's a funny story that's appropriate? What's a funny story that doesn't embarrass anybody else in the story? Um, when I was on the American Idol tour, uh, we were all getting really excited for the final night of tour. And, uh... For our last American show, anyway. And we were all going to go out on stage in, like, these crazy costumes. And I'd covered my body in, like, tinfoil. And I'd wrapped a bunch of tinfoil all over me and made this tinfoil hat. And the stage manager was having none of it. His name was Bob, and he was a jerk. Uh, and uh, in uh, my family, we love uh, We Bear Bears cartoon on Cartoon Network. And um, they call people a dingle if they're being a jerk. And so Bob was a was a total dingle, as I say. He was a dingle supreme. And um, so Bob was having none of it, and I ran the other way around him on stage <laughs> and ran out on stage in my tinfoil. He grabbed some of it, uh, and he was he was having none of it. Um, but we, we had a blast nonetheless. And then we went to the Philippines and did two concerts in Manila at, a, at the Araneta Coliseum there. And uh, for that, I came out with my 
one of my wrestling masks um, of an old wrestler called the Shocker. One of my favorite masks. So I can't. The Shockmaster. Uh, the Shocker. He's a oh. um, a luchador. Uh, and um, I heard of him. Yeah, and then I got a tattoo. There's Spider Man. I can't move my arm the right way. I oh, I saw him here. I have a tattoo here of the Mother Mary wearing a Rey Mysterio mask. Let's see that shit a little better. There she is. Oh, I see him. I see him. And it says, uh, it says because the Mother Mary is the Lady uh, Guadalupe, I got a tattooed underneath it, Lady Guadalucha. Nice. Guadalucha Libre. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. That's a good, funny story, man. And a good way to end it because I think we're done here. But do you have any music you'd like to promote? I heard you wanted to do that. Yeah, I've got new music coming out. Um, new single dropping in uh, in November. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, if you're listening to this on the 27th, tomorrow is uh, the announcement that I have signed a record deal and uh, for many records and other projects and, and that sort of thing. And I'm happy to have found the the perfect home for my vision of music I want to create and uh, the people that uh, support it and share that same vision. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear it. So awesome. thank you, James, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too, Sam. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. Hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.